Welcome to Free Flow Friday, powered by the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. I'm Dave DeBow, and I'm very excited to give you an over-the-shoulder learning experience around raising capital, as well as other tips, tricks, and strategies to help you on your real estate investing journey. So let's start. Let's discover together. What to do when everyone you know is broke or won't invest with you. This is one of the big issues that I see with a lot of people when they want to start raising capital, finding investor partners, is they get really stuck around this whole idea of either, hey, you know what? Nobody I know has any money or the ones that do have money probably wouldn't invest with me, right? And why this is such a big problem is because over 80% of quote unquote, active real estate investors, in other words, people that actually have revenue properties in their portfolios, over 80% of them get stuck with one or two or maybe three deals in their portfolios. And then they run out of cash, they run out of credit to buy more property, and they get stuck, right? Now, they get stuck because they've got a mistaken belief that everyone that they know is broke, or people that they know aren't going to want to invest with them right? And bottom line is, we didn't get into real estate investing probably to have one or two little deals in our portfolio. That's nice, but it's probably not going to make the kind of difference in your life and your lifestyle that you're looking for or what you had in mind when you first got into real estate investing in the first place. So again, the big challenge I see is people have this belief that, you know, I'm not worthy, right? Or everybody I know is broke, or they have other limiting beliefs, something along the lines of, you know what, nobody's going to invest with me because everybody thinks real estate investing is just too risky. Or, you know what, Dave, I think I've kind of shot myself in the foot because I tried a a different opportunity a few years ago of the networky variety and it didn't quite work out. And I've made a big kerfuffle about it, got the word out, you know, talked to a lot of people. I didn't make any money. They didn't make any money either. So I got a little bit of egg on my face, so to speak. I don't think anybody's anybody's going to want to take a, a second crack at anything with me. Or, you know what, Dave? I just don't feel like I've got enough experience. I've got one, maybe two deals under my belt. But in order to raise capital, I think you really need to have a lot of deals, maybe a dozen deals under my belt before I can start raising capital. Or, you know, here's a big one it's kind of a combination, you know, there's the, the thing, I don't want to mix business and pleasure. I don't want to mix business with friendship or with family. I don't want to mix those two up. All right. Or Dave, I grew up in a family where we learned and we believe that neither a borrower nor a lender be. I don't know where that came from, but it might be a biblical thing. I'm not sure about that. Or a big one, Dave, I really don't want to approach my friends and my family and people that I know because I'm worried about getting the door slammed in my face. You know, I'm I'm worried about rejection and nobody likes rejection, right? And you know what? All of these are legitimate concerns, right? Because I mean, think about it. What if you did stretch out of your comfort zone and you approach people that you know about investing with you? And what if you lost a really good friendship because the other person felt like you were pitching them or you were pressuring them to invest with you. That's a concern, right? What if you got the door slammed in your face, either literally or figuratively, 
because people had gotten involved in your last opportunity and it didn't quite work out, right? Or what if somebody does ask you how much experience you have and you have to bashfully admit that you've only got one deal or two deals under your belt, right? Or here's probably the worst one. What if you did get somebody to invest with you, a, a close friend or a family member, and heaven forbid the deal goes poorly? How uncomfortable would that be, right? <laughs> how would Christmas dinner be around the family dinner table if your deal went south and you lost somebody some, some money? That would be pretty stressful, right? Now, all of that is true. However, there are some serious costs involved to not dialing in this whole raising capital thing. There are some serious costs involved with that. So, for example, the biggest cost is if you don't figure this out, you're going to stay stuck, right? And chances are you got into real estate investing to create a better life for you and your family. You wanted to create some serious cash flow, some serious net worth, and one or two deals is good, but a lot more deals is a lot better, right? So if you don't get this figured out, you're going to stay stuck, all right? And it's going to severely limit your income, your net worth, and that dream lifestyle that you got into real estate investing for in the first place. That's what got you started. You know, if you don't get this dialed in, you're going to have to keep punching a clock at a job that you might not like. You're going to have to keep making do with a lifestyle and a life that you don't particularly like. You're going to have to settle for financial mediocrity for yourself and your family. You know that you're not going to be the example that you want to be for your for your kids and your spouse. You'll probably be frustrated with the idea of having to cut back big time for retirement or having to continue to work well into your golden years. You're going to be worried that, you know, bottom line, on your deathbed, you're going to look back on your life and say, why didn't I really go for it? and play all out. I know I could have done better. Those are all big worries, all right? So let's go through each one of those big concerns one by one, and hopefully, no, not hopefully, I will dismantle each one of those, all right? So let's start with the first one. So the first big thing is, Dave, everybody I know is broke. Nobody could invest with me even if they wanted to because nobody's got, I don't know anybody with any money, okay? So first of all, I doubt this very much. If you Really, I mean, that might be true within a few of your close friends and, and your close circle. But if you took a look through all the people that you have a pre-existing relationship with, all the people who you know and who know you, first of all, there's probably a lot more of them than you'd think off the top of your head. And second of all, some of them do have money. It's been my experience, and this is after working with dozens and dozens of clients and raising millions and millions of dollars with them, is that quite often the people that you think who don't have any cash actually do and the people that you think have the cash are all flash right or like they say in texas they're all hat and no cattle <laughs> all right and you know these kind of folks are so busy trying to keep up with the joneses they're stretched to the limit financially a lot of them are basically one paycheck away from financial disaster, perhaps even bankruptcy. And then if you're familiar with that old book, the, the Millionaire Next Door from years back, that did a very interesting study that the vast majority of millionaires in North America are everyday people. They live in houses just like you and I, they live in the, our neighborhoods. They're not living in the big wealthy house on the top of the hill. They're not driving super luxury, fancy cars. 
they're everyday people that are very, very good with their money. So never judge who you think has money and who doesn't. All right, so it's very, very important. Reminds me of a story from years ago. I used to live in uh, in Costa Rica and I had a business partner, Oscar. And Oscar had been involved with a, a different company. He was a sales guy for this company. And they were selling kind of a higher end product. I don't remember what it was, some sort of a service. And I remember him telling me one day, this very humble little older couple came into the office for a presentation, right? And Oscar took one look at these guys and said, there's no way that they've got any money. But luckily, Oscar is a pretty nice guy. So he he did the whole presentation anyhow. He gave it his all. He really was very, very nice with these people. And at the end of the whole presentation, the little old lady or the, the wife turned to her husband and said, you know what? I like this young man. Let's Let's buy the program or the product or whatever. And they ended up buying basically three times more than anybody else ever had. And it, first of all, Oscar was thinking, well, there's, there's, sounds nice, but there's no way they can back that up. But they could. It turned out they were very, very, very wealthy ranchers from a rural area. And they didn't give a crap about looking the part of being wealthy, right? And that's quite often the case with wealthy people. They don't need to show off, right? So never assume who has money and who doesn't have money. So the lesson there is, and solution here is, get the word out about what you're up to to everyone that you know and let them sort themselves out, right? I mean, basically, if you're doing stuff via email and that sort of thing, they can opt out. They can unsubscribe if they don't like what you're doing or if they're not able to participate. They can self-select, right? So don't do it for them. Don't assume who has money and who doesn't have money. You know what assume stands for, right? Making an ass out of you and me. And trust me, I've done my fair share of assuming over the years, right? So, okay, let's go on to part number two. And that is people won't invest with me because they think real estate investing is too risky. Now, this is a common concern and legitimately so because again, the news and the media, all they ever do is harp on the negative, harp on how bad things are. Not with just with real estate, but with life in general, right? That's bad news is what sells, not good news. And you know what? There was a pretty hefty downturn in the States in the 07, 08, 09 timeframe. And it lasted for quite a long time. And there've been ups and downs in the Canadian market. That's for sure. That's normal. That's called the real, well, what happened in the States wasn't normal, but that's the real estate cycle. And even what happened in the States, it really was five, as far as I recall, it was five markets that were heavily impacted. And the rest of the country fared pretty well. They did not, it was just five main markets that really tanked in that whole debacle, right? The problem is Joe Public doesn't understand this. And Joe Public watches the news, listens to the news, and gets their news from social media, etc. So they don't really know what's going on with real estate investing. And the solution to this challenge is education. It really is. It's all about showing people why real estate is actually a solid investment. Why real estate investing done the right way is a fantastic way for everyday folks to get a very good return on their money backed by something tangible, something real. And that's a real piece of property. Because at the end of the day, everybody and every business needs a roof over their heads. I shouldn't say every business. There's a lot of online businesses, but you know what I mean? Every serious company, every every person needs shelter and 
there's always going to be a demand for that. So that's something solid, something tangible. Plus, real estate investing, depending on what you do and how you count them, has multiple different profit centers. You know, anywhere up to eight profit centers that I'm aware of with a real estate deal. Compare that to a stock, a bond, a mutual fund, putting money in the bank, getting a GIC, anything like that. And it's quite easy to show people or educate people, especially over time, that real estate investing really is a solid investment. I mean, heck, you just point to the fact that the banks are willing to finance up to 95% of the value of a property, and they definitely won't do that for pretty much any other kind of investment, right? So it's always about that. And what I like to do is compare and contrast real estate versus other investment classes, all right? And when you do a good job of this and you're relaxed and you do it in a no pressure kind of way, folks start to come around. Some are gonna be ready to go sooner rather than others. Others, it might take a little bit longer. You have to educate them about what you're up to, okay? Point number three, well, Dave, I'm worried about talking to my friends and family about investing with me because I tried one of those MLME type opportunities a few years ago. It didn't work out. I didn't make my millions. I signed a few other people up, they didn't make their millions, and we all kind of fizzled out and dropped out. But I had I had kind of shaken the tree, I'd made it a big splash at the beginning, and not much came out of it. So I'm worried that I've killed my credibility with my sphere of influence, with people that I, I already know, okay? Well, if that's your case, welcome to the crowd, all right? Join the crowd. <laughs> I mean, so many of us have been through that that situation, it is not uncommon. In fact, it's very, very common. And it just actually makes sense. I mean, think about it. If you are really into real estate investing, if you really wanna create an improved life and lifestyle for yourself and your family, you wanna create passive income, you wanna create wealth and net worth, you wanna create a better life and lifestyle, do what you want, when you want, where you want, well, that's quite entrepreneurial, right? And it's just kind of, that's what's attract, those are the kind of people that are attracted to network marketing opportunities. Those are the kind of people that are attracted to business opportunities. Those are the kind of people that are attracted to real estate investing. It just makes sense, you're entrepreneurial. So don't kick yourself too hard for giving it a try and definitely don't kick yourself too hard for not making it because that is the reality for the vast majority of people. In fact, I'm just gonna read this because I just pulled this stat before this call here and I found out that there was a study done by the AARP, American Association of Retired Professionals, I think is what it is, that stands for, which showed that a full 73% of people who participated in network marketing either lose money or make no money. And the majority of them actually lose money, okay? So that's 73%, almost three quarters of everybody who gets into an MLM or a network marketing opportunity loses money or at best breaks even, okay? It goes flat. Now, so you might want to say, well, hey, 25% are making money. Well, not really, because out of the 25% who make some money, over half of them make less than $5,000. Not $5,000 per year, $5,000 total. Now, if you were ever involved in network marketing in a serious way, you know you probably spend a heck of a lot of time, energy, and money trying to make the business run, make the business successful. And if you ended up losing money or breaking even or making five grand, even if you made five grand, that probably didn't even come close to minimum wage for the effort involved, all right? So very, very few people make it in any serious way 
with network marketing. The success rate amongst real estate entrepreneurs is much, much higher. So over 25 million people across North America have given network marketing a try. The vast majority have flopped. So if you flopped, you're in very, very good company, okay? And actually, I think this is a good thing. So if you've taken a crack at network marketing and you flopped at it, that's actually a good thing, in my opinion, you know, turn lemons into lemonade from a raising capital point of view. Why? Because when you own up to it, when you don't try and shy away from it, when you don't try to minimize it, you just say, yeah, you know what? I gave it a good shot. It didn't work. But here's what I found that is working. And this is real estate. This is why it works so much better than that. And then you go into and you compare and contrast real estate investing to network marketing. And there are, in my mind, there are just a ton of huge advantages to real estate over network marketing. First of all, you own your real estate. You're not working for a network marketing company. They can't change your compensation plan. They can't do all this kind of change your product line, do all this kind of stuff without any control. So yeah, you own it, you control it. You've got multiple profit centers from this, et cetera, et cetera. So it's very easy, especially if you've got a couple of deals on your belt that are making money for you to show people who you might've shown your network marketing opportunity before, show them this new opportunity in this new light. And it's just going to make that much more sense for them. All right. So don't let failure, past failure in other businesses or network marketing opportunities stop you from going for it with your real estate investing. Next big one is, hey, Dave, I've only got a couple of deals under my belt. I don't think I'm worthy to talk to people about investing with me. Okay. And that is, that's a very common one for a lot of people. Now, Hopefully this will help you break out of that hurdle, that obstacle. My friend Peter Kinch was the top mortgage professional in the country for many, many years, top mortgage professional who focused on working with real estate entrepreneurs, real estate investors, not mom and pop house buyers, right? And I can't remember who he was talking with. He was talking with one of the big guys, the head of honchos, I think it was from Genworth or, or one of those you know, mortgage insurance companies. And the guy told him that, they had studied this and less than 5% of people who did their mortgages had ever purchased revenue properties. So in other words, out of 100 property buyers, only 5% were involved in revenue properties. The other 95% were buying their principal residences. So what does that translate to? That means that 95% of the regular people who you know I'm not counting the folks from the real estate investment clubs. 95% of the regular people that you know, or the civilians, as I call them, have never purchased a single revenue property in their lives. So even if you just have one deal under your belt, you are light years ahead of the person who hasn't done a deal. Does that make sense? So even if you only got one or two deals, the vast majority of people have never done a single revenue property deal. Now, this is kind of like if you remember way, way back in my case, now I got a lot of this gray hair, it's way, way back to when you were in kindergarten. If you remember back and you're in kindergarten, you're just starting, it's your first experience with school, you don't know how to read, you don't know how to write, don't know how to print, you don't know how to do math, you don't know anything. And then remember looking up to a kid in grade two, right? Two years older than in grade two. And now there's this kid who knows how to print, who knows how to read, who knows how to add and subtract and do all this cool stuff 
that you don't have the faintest clue about, that kid seems like God to you, right? Because they're a little bit ahead of you. That's the same idea with real estate investing. If you got a deal or two under your belt, you are exponentially ahead of somebody who hasn't ever done a deal before, all right? So that's the idea. Don't wait until you've got a dozen deals in your belt. Get going now showing your opportunities to people because the vast majority of them will not have ever done a deal themselves anyhow, okay? Now, next big one is, Dave, I don't want to mix business and pleasure. I don't want to mix real estate investing with my personal and my family relationships. And it's kind of combined with, you know, I grew up with the saying, neither a borrower nor a lender be. And I combine these two because they're quite closely linked. And if this is done poorly, it can be a bit of a disaster, right? So you got to be very, very, very strategic about this. But when you set things up properly from the get-go, right from the very beginning, and you treat your investors, especially if they're a family member or a friend, if you treat them as a client and not as a buddy, not as a brother, not as a cousin, not as a parent, as a client, somebody that you're looking out for, somebody whose money you are going to protect and you're going to respect, when you set things up properly in the first place, it can lead to fantastic success, right? So it's all about doing things properly, making sure that you've got contracts and not just a doing it on a handshake, making sure that you've got regular reporting on a very consistent basis, at least every quarter, every six months, right? Very important. So neither a borrower nor a lender be, and you're worried about working with friends and family because you don't want to mix business with pleasure. So again, it's all about setting things up properly in the first place. Realistic expectations, under-promising and over-delivering showing people the pros and the cons of your deals, making sure they're very aware of what some of the pitfalls might be, making sure you've got excellent communication and reporting during the deal, especially if things start going a little bit awry, not trying to run away from it, facing it head on, letting people know, letting people know ahead of time, right? So when you do things that way, it works extremely well, right? Now, as far as the whole you know, neither a lender nor a borrower be, this is a big right. This is, this gets in the way of a lot of people. And that's because we're kind of looking at this as if it's all one sided, as if it's all in a benefit to me and not to the other person. But here's the truth of the matter. When you are working with investor partners and allowing them to get involved in your real estate deal, you are doing them a huge favor. Of course, they're doing you a favor. They're providing you with the funding to get into your next property and grow your portfolio, your net worth, your cash flow, all that good stuff. But you're doing the same thing for them. I mean, think about it. You're helping them to accomplish something they either cannot or will not do on their own. This is very, very big. And you're sharing the profits in the deal. All they have to do is come up with the money and perhaps help qualify for the financing. And then their job is done. You're left doing all of the work. You're left, you're the one that's responsible. And you are cutting them a check, making them a payment on a regular basis. You're helping them to grow their net worth. You're helping them to create a better life for themselves and their families. It's not a one-way street. The benefits go both ways, right? So it's very, very important that you understand that. So for example, one of my students and clients, John Simcoe, he's got a great story about working with an investor client. And because of the investments that these folks were doing with John, they were actually able to retire years earlier than they could on their own. 
the cash flow they were getting from John's deals allowed them to take early retirement. How cool would that be? Now, that's a pretty extreme example, but let's say you helped an investor partner create some extra cash flow and be able to take a vacation that they wouldn't be able to take otherwise. Or you help that person to put their kid through university where it would have been a struggle otherwise. Or you help them cover some of their other debts and pay off some of their other debts thanks to the investment they did with you. Or you help them to get into a, do some renos on their house and get a nicer living arrangements or buy another a nicer property or a nicer vehicle. You help them improve their lives. This is something they wouldn't be able to do on their own or they're not willing to take the time and the effort to learn what you know to be able to do that on their own. So again, very, very important that we always keep that in mind, okay? Now the next thing is, and the last one, this really is kind of the crux of the matter for a lot of people is, Dave, I'm really worried about what other people are going to think or say about me, right? I don't like the idea of reaching out to my friends and my family because I don't like the idea of rejection. I don't like the idea of them gossiping about me behind my back. I don't want that to happen. You know, and fair enough. Nobody likes rejection. Nobody likes people thinking ill of them. But here's the reality, folks. Here's the reality. If you want to get extraordinary results, which is what most of us want to get when we're getting involved with real estate investing, you're going to have to do things that are out of the ordinary. You're going to have to do extraordinary things. You cannot expect to get ahead financially, to get ahead through real estate investing by sitting on your ass watching TV and vegging out on Netflix and just hoping for something better to happen. It doesn't work that way. You already know that, right? You also know that in order to grow your portfolio, you're going to have to use other people's money, right? And the choices for that are people that you already know that you have that pre-existing relationship with. That's what we're talking about right now. Or trying to go out to strangers. Now, hopefully by now you understand that going out to strangers can be very, very dangerous because of your not-so-friendly FTC or Securities Commission, right? You can be crossing a line there and getting into big trouble. So you need to avoid doing that. Plus, I mean, think about it. In order for somebody to invest with you, they need to know you, like you, and trust you. A stranger doesn't have anything. They don't know you. They don't like you, and they sure as hell don't trust you with their money. So it's very, very difficult to raise capital from strangers. So let's focus on the people that we already know. Now, getting back to that whole thing, while I'm afraid of rejection, I'm worried about what other people are going to say or what they're going to think about me. I think it was Aristotle who said, there's only one way to avoid criticism, and that is do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing. Ooh, that's pretty harsh, but it's very true. Think about it. You just sit there like a lump. That's the only way that you can avoid criticism. And there's another saying, right? The, the farther up you climb on the totem pole, the further out your ass sticks. <laughs> and the more people are going to be taking shots at it. That's true too. I found that over the years. But here's the reality, okay? Eventually, you're probably going to piss somebody off. It's hard to avoid that. If we're all human, and especially nowadays, everybody's so damn sensitive about everything. Sooner or later, we're probably going to piss somebody off. Sooner or later, you're probably going to get rejected by somebody. That's life, people. That is life. Suck it up, buttercup. Develop a little bit thicker skin. And you know what? Who cares? Because whoever that person is that criticizes you or rejects you or gets ticked off at you, 
chances are they never would have invested with you anyhow. So what difference is, what, what value are they bringing to your life? Now, here's the other thing. If you do things properly, you don't have to go through very much of that. I can't guarantee that you won't go through any of it, but you can avoid the vast majority of it, right? If you do it right, you can avoid pissing people off. You can avoid rejection. And in fact, you can get them reaching out to you, interested in your deals, reaching out to you, asking for more information, reaching out to you, emailing, texting, calling you, wanting to find out more about what you're up to with real estate investing. And once you got people doing that, it's such a pleasant conversation, so much easier, right? And when you're working with people that you already know, you've got two out of the three things taken care of that you need. These people already know you, they already like you. Now we really just have to work on that trust factor to get them to trust you with their money, all right? And that is so much easier to do when you get everything set up properly in the first place, okay? So always keep that in mind. We have a good idea what's in it for us, but also really keep top of mind what's in it for the other person. If you get a friend or a family member to invest with you in a good real estate deal and you're sharing the profits with them 50-50, remember what the benefit is for them, right? They're getting as much benefit out of this deal as you are, if not more, because you're putting all the effort into it. Does that make sense? Take care. God bless. Bye-bye. Well, hey there. Thanks for tuning into the Property Profits Podcast. If you like this episode, that's great. Please go ahead and subscribe on iTunes. Give us a good review. That'd be awesome. I appreciate that. And if you're looking to attract investors and raise capital for your deals, then I'm going to invite you to get a complimentary copy of my newest book right back there. There it is. The Money Partner Formula. You can get a PDF version at InvestorAttractionBook.com. Again, InvestorAttractionBook.com. Take care.